Stay hungry, stay foolish. I want to thank our sponsor Zai Boldly, transforming the future of financial services with a suite of embedded products and services, enabling businesses to manage multiple payment workflows and move funds with ease. Check out Zai at hellozai.com. Let's get into super trends with Lawrence Veda. I thought we'd launch straight into the biotechnological revolution, life as computer technology. And this involves Jake Craig, Venter, CRISPR-Cas9, monogenic disorders, GM crops, and loads more besides. And having decoded human genes, the development of biology will follow the main trends in the development of computer technology. The planet is a supercomputer. It's a spontaneous supercomputer. Uh, and, and it became a supercomputer because, I, I, because of RNA and DNA. And that computer is just evolving itself. And then uh, it, it created us humans, and then we created what we call computers, which is uh, not organic. And then there's a whole culture and uh, you know, ecosystem around that. And we are familiar with that. And suddenly we realize that, that life is also a computer. And then uh, and it's, it's uh, pretty difficult to get to figure out how you crack this. But now we have cracked it, and then what I say is that a lot of the, a lot of the the themes and and the experiences we have from traditional computing will just be replicated when we now work with life as a computer, and and funny enough, a lot of the vocabulary is similar. Uh, so we have worms and crawlers in our computers, but we also have you know in in real life and, and viruses and and so on. One of the big breakthroughs was CRISPR, and I don't want to. We don't need to go into the technical details of CRISPR, but the breakthrough came. It was interesting because you studied. Um, you were saying about uh, agriculture, etc., and understanding how to make cheese. It was during the understanding of yogurt of that actually they discovered CRISPR, and they discovered how it would attack and then dissemble other DNA and store it almost like writing down notes of kind of going, if they attack us again, this is what we're going to do next time. And it was that understanding that was like, uh Oh, okay, what else can we do with this? And, and I love these accidental discoveries that happen so often when it comes to innovation. The, the, the bacteria that you want that you use for making yogurt, they got attacked by, by these bacterial facts, and then they just cut them up, they kill them. And then they cut them up. So imagine somebody breaks into your house and then you say, hmm, I kill you and I cut you off and I put you in the freezer so I will not forget how you are. <laughs> so it's a bit morbid, but that's what they do. What they do, And it's a bit like RNA vaccine where you have, you have this string of code and you can use that string of code to create anti-stuff in, in this antibodies in this, in this case. The interesting thing was how how clever it was at cutting up the, the genes so <clears throat> the uh, by doing that it, it creates this enzyme called uh, cas9 so this is uh, the, the this technique has already been approved upon but it it was really uh something that made a breakthrough because now gene editing is far safer and far more precise than it was before this technology 
and uh, it it just means that we can we can edit genes very very easily. And before that happened, uh, amazing things had already been done. Craig Venter, um, he had he had created a virus from chemicals, so he actually the viruses are officially not defined as living things, but they do replicate. So they are close to being living things. So he created that of chemicals. He managed to take a bacteria and then change it to another species without killing it in the process. So you just take the DNA out, you put another DNA in while it's still existing. So it's a little bit, you remember the movie called The Fly, where this this poor guy slowly turns more and more into a into a fly bits fall <laughs> off yeah yeah i was telling my kids about it I probably scared them for life so he, he does like a mild version of that it's not so advertising but <clears throat> but you can do a lot and uh, and then of course you start thinking about okay what want what do we want to do and and that's where the more you read about it the the, the bigger the prospect just seem i don't know where you want to start but we'll jump around the place let's talk about for example the idea of a digital noah's ark so we can store the dna code of animals that have gone extinct we can remix them like you talked about the drum the drum and bass track with a bit of trump trumpet in it earlier on we can remix like a like a track on a on a mixer we can uh designer code and the ethical elements about that do we design our code how do we do it we can keep pets alive as you, as you talk about there's so many places you just bring it wherever you like now we're within um uh, sustainability um and and it's true that um if if we made a physical noah's ark and we had two of each that would not be enough and also they would eat each other very quickly so in the end there would you know, most species would be gone again but but um, there are different analog efforts, of course, to uh, preserve threatened species. There are the, all these seed banks where you have collections of plant seeds and store them in a way so that they last very long. You have zoos that uh, include some animals that are very close to eradication. But uh, from a, uh, the most fundamental point of view, if we think that we can recreate species as long as we have the DNA sequence, then it is a very big task simply to sequence all DNA of all life. Um, and so the question is, can we, if we have the DNA, can we recreate an uh, extinct uh, species? And the answer to that seems to be yes, we can. Um, so it's It's pretty complicated though, because it's not enough to have one. I mean, like the, the kind of you kind of think that the minimal, the minimum number of animals in order to have a sustainable population without huge inbreeding uh, issues is maybe fifty. So let's say we want to uh, recreate the Tasmanian tiger. Uh, what if we need to recreate fifty different ones, and they they shouldn't be identical like siblings, and they also make have to make sure that there's a natural habitat where they can thrive. Um, so it's it's certainly much easier to keep species alive to recreate them. But a lot of species have been lost and, and the megafauna um, uh, that was lost was mainly lost at the end of the last ice age <clears throat> because it was mass massive climate change. Like what we experience now is like tiny compared to what we had there. The sea levels rose 
130 meters uh, within a very short span of time. Uh, climate changed and then the humans then migrated. It opened up the possibility for humans to migrate into new areas. And then you had these big, fat, uh, slow species. And of course, humans killed them. Uh, so they killed a lot. Uh, but many of them, we have the DNA. So we, we have frozen samples or other things. So we have the DNA and, and you can recreate them in different ways. One is to take um, a living species that resemble them and then over a number of generations just uh, modify the genes so they become more like th that other species another one is to do like in jurassic park where <laughs> where you actually simply go in and you take an egg for instance and then you change the dna you, you simply put in the dna of something else um, and this is like when Craig Venter, he takes one bacteria change into an, another one. So that should be technically feasible to do. You, you do need to have some species that reminds enough of, of what you are trying to recreate. Um, so, uh, dinos, the problem with dinosaurs, which was in the movie is that I don't know if we have any DNA that is, uh, intact enough to be able to recreate those but the ones that uh, the mainly the mammals that perished about 10,000 years or 12,000 years ago we can so so that will probably happen and there are a number of projects on the way to do that uh, initially just experimentally but but then we will probably see some of these species come back and some of them might be easier than animals, uh, might be much easier than plants. Yeah, so uh, very important to map all the DNA uh, in the world. And this is um, uh, well on its way. Um, Craig Venter had a sailboat and was sailing around the world. And then he invited different teams, largely students on board. And then they were just pumping in seawater and ex extracting DNA. And they found an enormous amount of new species by just doing that. Uh, very, very simple process. Um, so the other thing we can do, which is uh, which is uh, exact opposite, is that we can eradicate a species uh, that's called specicide. Um, so is is actually the number of species that are actually extremely difficult to eradicate. So a big species. Uh, like the ones that disappeared at the end of the last ice age, are, tend to be very easy to eradicate, but small ones very difficult. Uh, insects and uh, and uh, fish and so on. Uh, in many cases, the only way you can really do it is by remove entirely the habitats and then and then their life stops. But you have you do have some species that uh, some people say that would be really nice to get rid of them and. Uh, uh, there are some, there are several, I think there are a couple of thousand different species of mosquitoes. And around 20 of those are responsible for the, some of the most horrible diseases that exist. So as uh, dengue fever, malaria, yellow fever. And so if you could eradicate those, you would still have tons and tons of mosquitoes, but you would not have these disasters. Uh, diseases and that would probably make it much easier for areas like Africa and parts of Asia to um, to become more prosperous and much better life quality for the people. So how do you do that? You can introduce a genetic change that is passed on 
and then after some generations um it it uh, triggers for instance that the all uh, offspring is of the same sex female or all, all male and when that happens of course they they cannot rep rep replicate anymore so that seems to work it's been done in experimental settings and you introduce that in one simple uh animal and then uh, after a while they're all dead i mean they it, it doesn't kill anything but they can't the replication stops so yes we can create new species and we can eradicate species uh like that and of course we can also modify species including uh most radically our own uh, but the focus here has for a long time been to modify species that that we find useful so almost everything we eat uh, <clears throat> it does not at all resemble the natural ancestor and that includes all, almost all fruits are very very far removed from what they came from uh, um, uh, carrots for instance are, are nothing the carrots we buy in a supermarket and nothing like what they came from oranges etc so it, uh, what we eat it tends to be much bigger much juicier it lasts longer it's easier to to uh, treat it's uh, may be more colorful and so on and uh, this has been uh, for uh, thousands or hundreds of years just a, res a result of selective breeding uh, and then more recently that we we engineered uh, at a digital level so we go out genetically and uh, very specifically change something which we are conscious about so it's it's actually interest <clears throat> interesting to follow how that has changed because in the early days in order to introduce genetic change people used something called a gene gun it's the most <laughs> it's the most insane thing almost i've ever heard about in science so you have this plants and you want to modify their genes then you create in a laboratory the gene and then you have this gun and you simply shoot the gun at the plant so you have this genes that are just coming at a very high speed and most of them of course uh, nothing happens but some of them actually enter some cells and then do the modification so that's not how anybody does anymore and also i would kind of hate somebody shoot a, a gene gun into me because i don't know if something would start growing out of me or whatever so, <laughs> <laughs> a carrot growing yeah, out of your head i can think of worse things also but uh, yeah so um so uh if we look at uh, uh the crops on our in our farms uh, bigger and bigger part of that is gene modified and that means that it's uh, it tends to uh, require less land it's and it gives a higher yield can also uh, be more useful in different ways um, but i think that that is only a, the beginning of something where we really make designer food where we design almost from scratch what we want and we can also remove things that are impractical i have several friends who have not allergy but to such an extreme uh, degree that is it's life-threatening and they're always carrying uh and, you know, injection kit and they might only have a few minutes to live if unfortunately they eat uh, the, the wrong kind of nut so you can modify these nuts so they they don't create this problem you can modify cassava so it doesn't have uh, isn't as actually a, a bit poisonous you can remove that and so on but you can also modify food so it tastes great but it's not unhealthy 
So I like a bit uh, beefsteak, but I'm aware that uh, uh, especially the fat part of it is not that good. But, you know, if, if, if I could have the same taste and the fat would be healthy, that would be nice. And, uh, Harvey Wildbanger flavored steak. <laughs> yeah. So we can do all of this and, and uh, cultured meat, this new technology that is uh, now uh, coming up is based on genetically modified uh, meat cells or, or or fat cells or or similar um and and uh, precision fermentation is also modified uh, organisms and we i mean we to grow some something you know create something by the use of cells is a very old culture because beer and wine uh is made in that way and this is very very old and so there we've done analog uh, selection but now we, uh, of course genetic selection comes out and becomes more and more efficient uh there are now experiment lots of lots of research going on on um, removing the risk of diseases uh among in among animals and and uh, humans um and also to uh, counteract aging, slow down aging, and even uh, to some degree reverse aging. And um, I just uh, a couple of days ago I, I read about uh, all the experiments that are now being done on dogs. So now you have dogs that live substantially longer than normal. And uh, I think you know many people would think, okay, so it's it's wonderful you have a dog you you really bond with a dog but unfortunately it ages so fast and suddenly it's ill and then it dies um some people you can clone there actually there i've seen services where you can get a clone of your pet not many want that but i think many would want the pets that live longer um but of course if if they do have that then after a while people think why is it that my dog can live three times no longer than normal? And I can't. I want to be 300 years old, you know. So eventually, I I feel convinced that eventually humans will also really uh, start modifying themselves. And uh, you can just say that we do ge genetic screening of unborn children. And that's that's now widespread. Uh, the first time it came out, people, many people find it uh, horrifying. We do artificial insemination. Uh, we have artificial teeth. We have contact lenses with artificial hips. And, and, you know, there's a very, very, very long list of artificial stuff that people are doing with the body, including stuff that I find, uh, like Brazilian butt lift. If you've heard of that, I think so. no, you, you actually, you, you, you take you remove some of your fat from your stomach and inject inject it into your butt. So if people are willing to do that, they're willing to do quite a lot. And there have been uh, opinion polls um, where where you ask people the same questions in in different parts of the world about their attitude to uh, changing their children, uh, modifying their children. So if let's say you could do a genetic check and modification of your children before they're born and then you ask things like okay so if your child you if you find out that your child will have a mortal disease and it and you could have a genetic modification to prevent that would you have it then all over the world the majority say yes <clears throat> and then if okay that your child will have a disease it's not mortal but it will be very inconvenient 
will you have it? And you know, the, the, the percentage that says yes drops mainly in the West. So not so much in Asia. But then if you go to, you could genetically modify your child to become more intelligent. Would you do that? Then the majority in, in Western, most Western nations say, no, that's artificial. But if you go to Asia, there are a number of countries where they say, yeah, of course, of course I want to have bright children. Yeah, go in and do it. So somewhere eventually, I mean, most of what is possible, if some people find it useful for some purpose, I think it will happen. And then it will become more and more normal. One of the things I just wanted to highlight was you, you were talking about, Lars, about how, say, for example, carrots or bananas, that they have been selectively bred over a long period of time. So we've been doing this, just not so overtly with technology. And the other one you gave was you mentioned dogs there, like dogs have evolved essentially to 160 or so species from the gray wolf as well. I thought this was really interesting because if you think about it, it's, it's the same thing as moving from an analog way of doing things to a digital one. And that always brings resistance because it's always so more pronounced and obvious and it feels like science fiction. Yeah, yeah. So technically, dogs are not species because they can all interbreed and they can also interbreed with wolves. So with wolves, but you, you in in different and other areas, we have seen human create species speciation, including in mosquitoes. For instance, you have a tube mosquito in UK that specializes in living in the tube, and that can no longer breed with its uh, ancestors. Um, and there are a number of other uh, cases. So uh, humans have actually created a number of, of species, weirdly. But yeah, so dogs are domesticated wolves. And then they're domesticated in the sense that their, their looks and their behavior is more like uh, wolf puppets. Uh, for instance, the ears hanging down instead of standing up is uh, something that puppets have, but uh, grown up don't have. And their behavior, child, um, and their super child, dogs are super childish. That's a, a reason why we like them. Wolves are not that childish. They're more cunning. You know, how can I eat you? Um, and the funny thing is that we've done that to ourselves. So, so modern humans are, are domesticated, uh, previous humans, which were probably, they were far more aggressive, uh, probably more psychopathic than, than is common today. So we domesticate a lot of things and uh, and this is probably still going on in many different ways. You mentioned earlier on and we I think it was part two, we mentioned Aubrey de Grey and we're living longer, uh, ending aging, hopefully in, in some ways. And you talk about the advances. Firstly, you, you touched on this earlier on, but this is highly connected to the whole idea of gene editing and understanding genes is the advancements in cancer research, and then the other one was stem cell research, because stem cells, understanding them has been a huge advancement in humanity, because now we can, like you were saying, you can get your hip replaced. Now you can actually do this, start to do it with cells, including aged cells. Yeah, so the, the, with the stem cells, uh, there was a Japanese scientist who received the Nobel Prize for uh, discovering how by making just four genetic changes, you can turn any existing cell into a stem cell. And the, po the point of stem cells is that they can, what, what happens is that they, you inject them some part in the body and then they look around and they say, okay, 
all the, the cells around my around me here are muscle cells. So I'll turn into a muscle cells. They're like social creatures, or they're all bone cells. So I'll turn into a bone cell. So you can use that to do uh, repairs. For instance, uh, uh, the aging brain um, you you will will have a lack of brain cells, and you can then uh, probably increase your intelligence. Uh, or reverse your intelligence by injecting that you can repair broken nerves like the worst thing is you, know, you fall off a horse and then you can't move most of your body uh, possibly from the neck and down and then you can use them to do that and so on so um, you can make uh, artificial um, uh, intestines liver etc heart of your own cells so you can have um, you have you can create these molds, and then the, these the cells grow in these molds, and then you actually make these artificial parts, teeth, and so on. So that that will also it will the repair mechanism for the human body will be is becoming far more sophisticated because of this. Um, so. This this is repair, but of course, one of the things that concern us is the basic process of aging, and the basic process of aging, apart from wear and tear, is about loss of information. So it is that you know we're born with a DNA which has fantastic information about it's like a recipe for you and me, uh, but as we age um, every day, there's destruction of DNA in our cells and lots of it. I mean, really, lots and lots of it. Uh, the far majority is then repaired, but a little a little bit is not repaired, and then all these errors accumulate. And in the end, we are like uh, uh, it's like somebody made the recipe, but the the the, the cookbook <laughs> is missing a lot of pages, so it becomes a bit of a mess. So an old person is a bit of a mess, and uh, there are different techniques that can uh, prevent that, slow that down, and so on. Um, and that's also, I mean, the worst, one of the, the worst causes of this loss of information is that um, there's something called the Hayflake limit, which is after cells have divided a number of times, uh, it won't work anymore. And the reason it won't work is that at the end of each DNA, there's something called telomeres, and um, you'll that has no useful genetic information. So you lose a, a, a part of that every time. In the end, you've lose, lost all your telomeres. Next time it, it divides, you lose useful genetic information, and then you get in trouble. So the simple solution is to have longer telomeres, and this can be engineered. And we have found that people who are naturally born with longer telomeres, they age slower and they live longer. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot uh, on its way in anti-aging. The magic pill uh, doesn't exist yet, uh, but um, probably will. We we did speak a little bit about that in a previous episode, work, but within ten or fifteen years, there are probably some treatments um, that that can partially, for a period of time, reverse aging and uh, and surely slow aging also.
just one thing on the telomere the te there's a book called i think it's a book called the telomere effect and it was saying actually if you have a purpose when you're older if you have a reason to get up every day your telomeres actually are longer so it really impacts it's that whole idea of epigenetics and the biology of belief it's, it has a dramatic effect on on belief has on tele telomeres yeah, so genomics is very complicated because of a number of phenomena. One of them is epigenomics, and this is what we're talking about here. And that is, uh, if you imagine that <clears throat> your your genomes is like a piano, and you can play on the piano, what happens when when cells specialize is that a, a whole number of different what do you call the things you press on they get blocked. So you, in the end, you can only play, you know, a very simple tune, yeah. uh, and and that gets blocked in different ways in different cells, and that's all good. I mean, nothing would work if it didn't. But also that it get it, the way they get blocked it depends on your life, your psychological state. It can even depend. It can even happen before you're born. So if your mother is stressed, you can be born with some things blocked. Uh, which will some probably in some ways handicap you. And uh, the understanding of this is very demanding because it's incredibly complex. But the combination of scientists and strong computers means that we are we are moving into this and we are we are understanding more and more. And of course there's a lot to gather from that. And um the other thing is that that a lot of phenomena are polygenetic, and that means that it's not one thing that creates um, a symptom, an effect, but it's a combination of a number of things. It's a combination of a number of things that creates cancer, typically. Um, so you you also have things that what that you could say a, a difference between two people is due to the position of a single uh, base pair on the DNA. But that is quite uh, that's quite rare. Normally, it's very, very complex. So it, it takes a lot to understand it. But but we are getting there. I mean, and we uh, the speed at which we understand these things is, is uh, growing exponentially. It really makes it very obvious why you're a tech optimist as well. All we'll have time for more today is maybe to share your your trend advice on the things like nootropics I'm pointing over there because I have some stuff mushrooms and stuff like that over there that uh, mushroom coffee and the stuff that's supposed to help your cognition. And we're seeing biohacking, we're seeing device I IOT, for example, people kind of biohacking and trying to get the best out of themselves in a particularly in a knowledge economy where your your brain is actually your asset and trying to get your attention better all this kind of stuff it's one of the most common questions i have on the show is how do you read so fast i'm a terribly slow reader i'm really slow because i don't just like you know i've sent you my notes i don't just read i take extensive notes and that really slows me down but it's just i think it's because of how i attend to reading it's the way i approach it and when you know you're going to be asking questions on it you read differently, you read in a different way as well, all those type of things. But I thought we'd share as a kind of final uh, piece of advice for people. Maybe it's an entrepreneur out there who has an idea, maybe it's an investor who wants to invest in a company. What's you, what are you seeing in this realm? What is big now is, is biotracking. 
um, in our venture fund, we invested in Bella Beat, which makes uh, women's jewelry, and it, it tracks your biometrics, and then it, it talks with an app. And uh, we have almost four and a half million uh, paying subscribers right now. So it's, that's that is super popular. My wife is one of those four and a half million. I'll tell her. I'll tell her. She has to wear it now. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it's going public, I think. Uh, but uh, uh, we are—I don't think we are very far from a far more sophisticated bio tracking. So I myself—I uh, have a, I, I, uh, several times a year I, I do a blood test for two hundred different things. Once a year, I do a full body MRI. So I do quite—and uh, this is fairly expensive and time-consuming, but I do. This kind of bio uh, tracking, because you know, I, I think if you find things early, and then you can you 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 can prevent a lot of disasters. Uh, but eventually, these things will be become much much easier to do, and then people will be far more likely to have really sophisticated bio tracking, so they can get super early warning about stuff that is about to go awry, and then they can take preventive measures. Lars, final question for people who are want to get on to the next uh, Bella Beat, <laughs> want to be the next investor there. Where can people find out more about your fund, also about you and all your books that you've written? LarsTreated.com. So it's just my name.com. Uh, about my the venture fund I co-founded is NordicEye.com. About the, the forecasting company I founded is called Supertrends.com. Oh, that is the website. And then I also have a hedge fund, but that's closed for new uh, clients now. But it is called Atlas Global Macro. And we expect to reopen later this year or next year. Always a pleasure. Always mind expanding having chats with you. By the way, we only got to chapter three or we didn't even get to chapter four. <laughs> uh, so we'll have to connect again another time. It's a great book. I really highly recommend it. Uh, really accessible read author of super trends 50 things we need to know about the future Lars Sveda, thank you for joining us thank you. i hope you enjoyed once again Lars Sveda on the innovation show on the exponential series covering his book super trends don't forget there's a copy up for grabs just sign up to the innovation show.io newsletter and you will be in with a chance to win that oh, as always thank you to our sponsors i boldly transforming the future of financial services with a suite of embedded products and services, enabling businesses to manage multiple payment workflows and move funds with ease. Check out Zai at hellozai.com. See you soon.